Welcome to Law Radio with Melissa Castell and Kate Galloway. So I'm here with Jodie O'Leary, who's an expert in youth justice issues at Bond University Faculty of Law. Uh, Jodie, last week, uh, I think all of us or most of us would have seen the terrible footage on Four Corners um, that showed young people in juvenile detention in the Northern Territory being strapped to chairs and restrained and hooded and um, tear gassed and there were some terrible examples of abuse there. Can you uh, tell us please um, a bit of background about the idea of juvenile detention and why we might find young people in specific centres such as Dondale and the Northern Territory? Sure. So Youth justice in Australia and indeed internationally is based on a number of principles obviously that come initially from the Convention on the Rights of the Child and other international instruments such as the Beijing Rules. So those particular instruments indicate that the best interest of the child is still an underlying um, factor for all dealings with young people, whether they be in youth justice or otherwise. And as such, detention is seen as an instrument of last resort for young people. And it would seem that, I mean, it's been suggested, I guess, that a number of those young people in detention in Dondale were uh, serious offenders. Now, um, for example, Dylan Voller, I understand, had uh, a large string of offences uh, and has offences of violence on his record. Now, I, I'm not privy to that information. But the idea that imprisonment or detention is a last resort is a really important principle of youth justice, one that was removed in Queensland uh, by the last government. Fortunately, it's been reinstated subsequently. Mm. But it would seem that despite that principle being in existence throughout Australia, that it's not being implemented as strongly as it should be. Uh, in my view, it's not being implemented as strongly as it should be. And it needs to be taken into account that detention is so harmful in the effects on children. And that's why it was suggested as a principle of last resort, because of the harm that it causes to young people and the fact that it has no benefit in terms of recidivism at all. Right. So have we got, are we looking at two things with in terms of the footage that the Four Corners footage is one issue juvenile detention in terms of youth justice and another issue the kinds of behaviours that we saw on the CCTV. I mean some people have suggested that Australia needs to sign up to the International Convention Against Torture and that on the face of it the behaviour that was recorded might be considered to amount to torture. Is is the types of behaviours that we saw there, is that normal in terms of youth detention? Is that still part of that principle of last resort? Well, certainly there are principles within the Beijing rules and there's another document, international document, that talks about um, the conduct or the behaviour that's involved in keeping young people in detention as well and complaints mechanisms, etc., and their rights to be heard. You're right, there are two issues here. One, whether the young people should be in detention at all and then secondly, if they are in detention, whether they should be subjected to that sort of treatment. Now, Mm. it's pretty clear that they shouldn't be subjected to that sort of treatment. Mm. The difficulty, I think, is around the, the vagueness, obviously, of international rules in this area and whether or not certain things do amount to torture. Certainly things like solitary confinement are utilised 
throughout Australia, throughout the world. There has been some movement in the US where they're trying to suggest that young people in solitary confinement, that it would breach their constitution um, and the right not to be subjected to cruel and unusual punishment. But all of those things, the harm that's caused by that conduct of those officers really it exacerbates the harm that detention yes. um, already causes just from removing yeah. those young people from their, their home environments. Yeah. Um, and one of the other issues, of course, is that the young people that were shown in that footage, and I think I understand the majority, if not all of the uh, children detained at Dondale, are Aboriginal uh, youth. Is there a particular issue in terms of youth justice with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians? I mean, we already know that the uh, recommendations of the Royal Commission into um, Black Deaths in Custody haven't been implemented across Australia. And is there is there an intersection between those broader principles of incarceration of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians and these youth justice principles? Definitely. One of the most important things to consider in relation to Indigenous um, young people in custody is that they represent a significant number uh, and a, a much greater percentage than their representation in the population in the in the population. Certainly in the Northern Territory, particularly in Queensland as well. So it is Indigenous young people that are being subjected to detention and subjected to these problems, I guess more than um, non-Indigenous young people. So uh, there have also been some indications that, uh, and there's been a study that was done and published fairly recently about the impact of detention on the psychological well-being of Indigenous young people. And they accounted for whether or not these young people had psychological issues prior to their entry into mm. detention, because obviously that's one thing we need to consider. Yep. And they, they found and they suggested that, in fact, that the incarceration has resulted in the psychological issues, not the other way around for right. those Indigenous young people. So they're, because they are incarcerated from such young ages quite often, especially in the Northern Territory, as we saw with Dylan Voller, someone mm. like that who's incarcerated from 11, um, subject to that, to that sort of treatment, then leaves with potentially psychological issues that they didn't have necessarily before and then um, that will be become a cycle that mm. he's going to go through for the rest of his mm. life. Such a sad story. So the government's response, the federal government's response that's been coordinated with the Northern Territory government was swift, although it has had its ups and downs over the last week, is a royal commission into the youth detention system in the Northern Territory. Is there much that we can learn from a royal commission, do you think? Or as some have suggested, uh, do we already understand what we need to do and it's simply a matter of getting on and doing it? I think there are two aspects to that. I, I feel personally that there um, are still benefits of having a royal commission. I think there are questions that have gone unanswered in some of the previous reports and particularly to the culture 
of the um, institutions like Dondale and those um, institutional cultures seem to be prevalent throughout uh, a number of detention centres but I don't think we've got down to that point but I don't think it's enough. The Royal Commission isn't enough. I feel like there is uh, a lack of, um, it will depend on the government's response to that Royal Commission, obviously. Like most commissions, whether they be truth commissions, royal commissions, it's whether or not the recommendations are then implemented that will make any difference. But I also think that there needs to be changes in the laws with respect to young people and their compla- and the complaints mechanisms that are available to them when they're in detention because we can't wait every time for a Royal Commission if these, this type of conduct happens again. So I guess um, with the Convention against, uh, ratifying the Convention Against the Optional Protocol to the Convention Against Torture, for example, that there's an, an option for communications to occur. Mm. Similarly, if um, if the optional protocol to the Convention of the Rights of the Child is ratified, it allows for communications to be made as well. Again, though, those I would suggest potentially aren't enough by themselves. There, there does need to be some strengthening of those complaint mechanisms really to make a difference to the young people that are currently uh, and will continue mm. to be detained potentially. That's interesting. So we've, we really need to be calling calling out everything, international law, domestic laws, state and, <laughs> state and federal laws. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a multifactorial issue then. Yes, I, yeah. definitely, I definitely think that that's the case. Um, but certainly... If we if we do establish a some sort of complaints mechanism, there needs to be some vertical oversight with that. So, for example, currently there's the uh, official visitor programs that yes. operate in the Northern Territory, Queensland as well, and the Commissioner for Young People obviously um, operates in uh, the Northern Territory, and he'd made these recommendations before. He he'd reported to the Northern Territory government, but the lack of vertical oversight mm-hmm. over that those recommendations, the fact that they were all kept in house. It is problematic. There needs to be some vertical oversight and some assurances of acting on those sorts of recommendations. There's been talk in Queensland and inquiry had uh, heard recently about a Bill of Rights for Queensland. Would something like a Bill of Rights assist in these kinds of processes as well? So we'd have requirements that when laws were passed they had to make explicit reference perhaps to a Bill of Rights, that we might have complaints mechanisms that are built into those Bills of Rights and perhaps even this idea, I guess, of ministerial responsibility for that vertical oversight. Is that one mechanism that you might consider useful? I think it would definitely be useful. It would depend on how a Human Rights Act was, as, yes. you, as you mentioned, as how it was drafted as yeah. to whether or not there was a complaints mechanism enshrined within it. I think that... Um, Simply having the rights articulated probably won't be enough because mm. many of those rights are already articulated in various legislative mechanisms, especially that detention's a last resort, for mm. example, or um, that the best interest of the child has to be taken into account. All of those things are already articulated. So I think unless there is some follow-up mechanism, then little, little change will occur. Yeah. But it's better than nothing. Thanks very much for talking to us, Jodie O'Leary. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you can follow us on Law Radio at iTunes and SoundCloud and on our blog at lawradio.net. If you enjoy our podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes so other people can find us more easily. This is Melissa Caston. See you next time.